0: This is Kieran Scott of Ashen Crown, Death Collector and Grimoire. You are listening to KFMP Misery Point Radio.
1: Cultists to another colon cleansing edition of Misery Point Radio, I extend to you my eternal gratitude for always drinking the Kool-Aid and for always laying it all on the line to join me here in the Wasteland. It's an honor to know that my humble words and the words of our sacred guests have reached you in the most spiritual way possible. And that even though both your IQ and your life expectancy are now considerably lower than they were prior to our paths crossing. Your sacrifices have not been in vain, as they have aided me in my perpetual quest to purge the airwaves of all that doth suck. So finally, at long last, joining us today for a very long overdue conversation is the enigmatic Kieran Scott, powerhouse vocalist for a trifecta of UK metal acts, those of course being Ashen Crown, Grimort, and the already legendary Death Collector. Kieran was kind enough, or brainwashed enough, depending on your point of view, to join me virtually from his studio to talk about all these amazing projects. There's so much awesomeness here, it was literally hard to fit it all in. And once we started down that road, I knew that the floodgates would open and open they did. This was an awesome chat, not only about these three epic bands, but also about his foray into the music scene and the horrific event that could have served as a dream killer, but instead morphed into a motivational spearhead to propel him forward and take on the metal scene as only a true wastelander could do. Kieran was very open about his experiences, and his stories are both engaging and entertaining. This is a dude who possesses an insane amount of talent and has managed to accomplish so much in such a short time while working with some absolutely killer artists, and I'm excited to finally be able to bring this to you. So put on that ashen crown, open the door for the Death Collector, and prepare yourselves for an esoteric ascendance. You've been warned. (laughs) Oh my
0: god, look at that sexy face oh i mean i tend to uh keep it hidden these days with the beard just because you know gotta keep people uh in check
1: well you know it's the metal thing to have a beard these days right
0: yeah i mean i've did the habitual like well i've lost my hair so i'll <laughs> grow it here instead and i feel like that's standard
1: i'm uh i'm almost in the same club with your brother uh very very cool uh to talk with you thanks for taking the time this morning i uh just got There's... myself a coffee as well and i'm pleased to see that you're in a studio setting uh and i don't have to fight with the uh the skype <laughs> the skype warbles and uh, all the good stuff and i might say it is a very cool microphone setup that you've got there being as how i've got the exact same one
0: <laughs> yeah you, you too. i i mean you know maybe we're a man of good taste mm, i mean or- mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, though, uh, on a personal note, it's been a long time coming, this conversation. Like, long time coming. Yeah. Yeah. there's someone that, that's always been in my circle for years, and I've just never sat down with you.
1: It's gotten to the point now where I have so many people reaching out to me, I can't even possibly get to them. And I'm finally having conversations that I've wanted to have for a very long time. So that being said, yes. then, uh, Karen, welcome. To the show definitely long overdue thanks for joining me today uh course, and i'm yeah, no really looking forward to uh digging into the myriad of awesome things that you've got to cooking in the pot speaking of cooking though i do hear <laughs> that you are somewhat of a uh, a gourmet uh somewhat of a chef is that is that accurate
0: uh well i'd like to think i enjoy food to a high standard We'll put it that way. <laughs> that is how
1: I've made my living for the last, uh, my, my real person living for the last 20 plus years or so. So I always oh, enjoy wow. some, uh, some fantastic food talk. We'll get into that <laughs> later, though. So uh, I guess if anything, uh, considering the fact that I really wanted to talk to you a long time ago and things just didn't work out that way, it's given me ample time to really dig into all the cool stuff that you've done. I mean, initially, it was just Ashen and Crown, and then you released uh, Grimort, and now you're doing Death Collector, as well as some myriad other projects uh, that you're doing with other people. Uh, so you've managed to keep yourself uh, quite busy and, and keep a, a pretty high profile with all your activity. It seems like you've always got something in the pot.
0: Oh, I'm I'm never happy or content unless I've got fifty things to juggle and just like run on adrenaline and just like. Stress of just doing all these fun and incredible projects. Like, what I find is, is that idle hands create idle minds, and an idle mind is your worst enemy. Like, that's my kind of perspective. Yeah, I mean, like, it's good to have downtime. It's good to relax, but at the same time, I find, like, when I'm relaxing, I'm there. Like, could be doing something. <laughs> I do find
1: that uh, my brain often doesn't turn off if I'm in a position of going from a, a level of heavy activity to all of a sudden very little activity. I just start to get stir crazy and and then and then my my brain takes me in in many different directions you know. Looking at your uh, discography, uh, and kind of, it seems from a listener point of view that, like, you and your various projects really came out of nowhere. But really, you've been in the scene since, what, 2015 or so, maybe a little earlier. And aside from Ashen Crown, the first thing I see you associated with was a project that someone else told me about called Angel Fuck. And, uh... Uh, you yes. know, a very family-friendly project with a uh, nice, inspiring song titles and things like that. But um I kind of think like you came out. There was boom. There was Ashen Crown. Boom. There was Grimoire. Boom. There was Death Collector. Like three massive things happening just over the course of the last few years. So uh has just this last this last few years been absolutely insane for you?
0: Oh yeah. Like so. Basically, I started like my musical journey started. Um, probably 2013, okay, 14, around there. So basically, uh, uh, in long story short, I was assaulted, like to a hospitalization. What? So, ah, uh, it's fine. <laughs> uh, basically, uh, it was just for no reason. It wasn't personal. So I was attacked, uh, you know, with without knowledge or reason, uh, and they like broke like my, my face. Basically, like I had like. Complete breaks here and here and here and here and and basically I was kind of like getting into doing vocals at that point. So that obviously was like a a massive hit on me
1: Damn, because dude.
0: I I was there like wow holy shit fuck this is bad. So it took me about six months to recover and through the entirety of my recovery I was like right I'm gonna do it I'm gonna be a metal vocalist when I get out of this I'm gonna do it. So. That was what my inspiration was. So after I uh, did that, um, after I recovered and as much as I could because the nerve damage was still extensive for years afterwards, so I found my way of doing metal vocals. So there's many different vocals and techniques and stuff, but at the start, obviously, I didn't have the uh, the nerves to be able to feel what I was doing correctly with mouth shapes and stuff. So I focused more on chest resonance and diaphragms and things, which is more in tune with like classical singing. So a lot of like operatic, massive chest sustains and and resonance. So that's where my vocal understanding came from. So, and that then started me on my journey in music. So obviously I was trying different things. Um, I'm surprised you mentioned Angel Fuck, because that, that was a little project that I worked with the guy who now I no longer associate with. Oh, shit. For, <laughs> for various reasons, which I will not go into. Fair enough. Um, that was a long time ago. Uh, but before then, actually, or in between, even, I had a project which you might want to check out. They were called uh, Ebola Gush. Okay. Ebola Gush was a grindcore project that I started when I was like, uh, like, at the early, early stages, my friend from uh, Demona at the time. Uh, so, check that out. That'll make you laugh. Uh, before then, I, my first ever band was Fallacy of Faith, which was a me and my mate just, like, terrible, just, like, black death metal. Yeah, brutal. Uh, all the lyrics were cringes. Oh, God, they were so bad. <laughs> I mean, things. the page still exists on Facebook. We don't really have much music. There's, like, a couple of demos. And, oh, anyway, I digress. <laughs> but, but i digress <laughs> yes but that was the start of like my journey and it was just i was clueless i didn't know anybody i only really got into metal like when i was about 16 17 so it, i was a late bloomer for in, to a lot of people um you know like i got into like the early stuff you know like the slip knots the the gajira things like that sure and it, i just it was just like grew and then just got more and then i discovered dimmobile gear and i was mm. like ooh what's this? Yeah. You know, and I was really enjoyed that. And then I discovered other bands like Emperor, Marduk, you know, and then it just kind of went on. And then it was like, Oh, cannibal corpse. Oh, what's this? It just went on and on. So over those like, like four, three years from 16 to like 20, I was more my formative musical years. So at that point I was like, right, I need to do it. And then when I was 22, obviously I got attacked. And then I then go on from there. So Ash and Crown came about very interestingly so um, a good friend of mine, was a band called Squirm. Uh, if you don't know him, it's a one-man gore grind project. It's great. Like, go listen to him. Uh, I had some workings with him before, and I was friends with him. He posted on his Facebook or a comment. I know it was a comment at Ashen Crown looking for a vocalist. And I saw his comment on it. I was like, ooh. So I immediately jumped on it as well. Uh, and I was very enthusiastic. And they were like, yeah, OK, cool. Here's a demo. Do what you want with it. I was like, okay, cool. They said, learn it. We'll book you in. So I was like, sweet. So what I did within that day, I recorded my own demo, like, or what I would think I would do with the structure and the vocals and stuff. Sent it to them, and they were like, what, what? You didn't need to do that. You just need to. Okay. So they were like, wow, (laughs) okay, like. So I I, then I turned up um, at the rehearsal nine hours early because I misread nine a.m. for nine (laughs) p.m. It happens. (laughs) so i was just like oh i'm here guys they were like 9 p.m kieran i was like oh (laughs) well i'm eager (laughs) so i went in smashed it as much as i could did my best i wasn't great then i was all right more enthusiasm over ability uh and yeah and then just bang straight into that they were like yeah we'll have you you're great you're localish you you are what we want and i'm like sweet (laughs) <laughs> and this was with no experience. So I've never been in a band before, just playing around with projects previously. Um, and then the first gig we ever had was in a large venue supporting a local like hardcore band, which we were like, okay. So I've never been on stage before. It was all new to me. So we did a great set. We had a really good reception. Like uh, the promoter was like, wow, okay, you guys, you're getting on my book. And I was like, okay. And then the three gigs we had after that were in a competition for Bloodstock Festival, which is a metal to the masses. Yeah. We smashed through. And we won. So we won a slot 2017 to play Bloodstock Festival. Like, this was like, at this point, was the fourth gig I ever played. Just fucking um, out of nowhere. Yeah, so I'm completely new to this. When I say I'm really new to this, so... I was like, all right, I played Bloodstock at my ninth ever live performance to like about 900 people or 800, whatever it was, it was a lot. Oh, I have nerves, man. <laughs> so we did a really good set. It went down really well. And that kind of paved the way for us as a band. And ever since then, we've been like up and up and up and up. You know, we supported Obituary, yeah. played with Grand Magus, played with the Memorium, we've played with uh, got loads of different bands. Uh, so that was a real push and I was a no one nobody knew me I was just a guy so I over those years from when the band formed and I joined I had to push and push and like and just be like look I'm doing this music listen listen to it you know because nobody knew me no one respected me and understandably like no one knew who I was no one cared yeah so you have to prove yourself and because I was such a pup and <laughs> unknown and I'm quite an excitable person and very energetic, so people can find me very intense and very like, oh, it's a bit overbearing. But the thing is, I won't apologize for it because it it's the only way of pushing through an industry this competitive. Oh man, like, it's and, very cutthroat, no doubt about it. Oh god, yeah, I had to learn so many lessons. Like, you know, like I, you know, like we, you talk to somebody on Facebook and you're like, oh, blah blah blah, da da da. Oh, you know, listen to my album, see what you think, blah 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 no response and i'm like okay i mean that's weird but then i'm not i didn't get it i was like why i don't understand and then after a while of like learning why (laughs) they were just like yeah they get spammed every day some of these people like and i understand it now sure so the point that i've got now with my music i get people sending me stuff all the time so now i understand i would still listen to it that's me but some people get overbearingly like overwhelmed by the amount of stuff they get sent. So that was a learning curve for me. And I did definitely left some bad impressions on people. <laughs> it's just like, hi, listen to my band. I was that guy.
1: I was yeah, like, well, I, I, and I'm on the flip side of that, too. I mean, I get sent an insane amount of material. And I try really hard to get to all of it. And sometimes it takes a while. And then, you know, a dude will send you over his triple album. You listen to that yet? I'm like, dude, there's like 47 songs on this thing, you know. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But uh, so not only was Ashen Crown, or not only were you new to Ashen Crown and the industry, but Ashen Crown was just kind of getting started in and of themselves. So it wasn't like they were already doing stuff and you stepped in. So you went from formation to Bloodstock to within a relatively short amount of time after that. Then. Um, you know, releasing an album you know in uh twenty what twenty nineteen or so with the uh, obsolescence yeah,
0: that November that was
1: yeah, and uh that that album i the first time I heard it, I remember like these guys are hitting it fucking hard, um, and you know I'm a fan of of all kinds of music, but you know my my heart definitely belongs to the old school death metal and the old school thrash and stuff like that, and oh, yeah, so. Yeah the first time I heard Ashen Crown, I remember thinking, wow, this is like OSDM, but just a tad more modern. It's definitely got those roots. And, uh, your vocals, I I felt like were extremely powerful. And you mentioned that you did, you know, like a lot of, technique work and working out of the chest and things like that and yeah a lot of times when you hear some of these bands you can definitely tell that they're throating it which is cool for a point but you know looking at what yeah. you do and now the scope of what you do i can only imagine that you would just be blowing your vocal cords out if you weren't oh, uh, taking that time to uh to kind of get those techniques right which is even more astounding considering what you just told me about kind of having to relearn some of that stuff and do some of those exercises, uh, based off you know what happened to you previously.
0: Yeah, like because as I said, that that during when I when I had, when I was assaulted, that was the beginning when I was starting to learn. So that was surreal. Yeah. So I found that very inspirational, though, because I didn't care about it. I was more annoyed that the fact I couldn't practice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the worst part, I couldn't eat food properly for oh my God, six dude. months. I had to smoothie roast dinners, like roast pot roast dinners, you know, like mm. roast beef. And I'm like, and I was there like, <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad. Like, because at the time I, I had to go live back with my mother because I just couldn't function. Yeah. So she was just there like, I'll made you dinner. And I'm like, my mum's dinners are amazing. You think I'm good? Where do you think I got it from? Like, whoa, like, and it was depressing, just smoothing <laughs> and pasting down these gorgeous, like, uh, like I, I was like, I, I, dauphinoise potatoes with Hunter's chicken, and there's lovely things like that. And it's like, like yum. yum. <laughs> so that really invigorated my passion for food. Sure. First thing I, the first thing I did, me and my friends had a party uh, when I could eat again. So it's when I had all the braces and, and supports taken out. uh, And I went to a local pub in Birmingham. And... It's in UK, obviously. Sure. Uh not Birmingham, had, Alabama. No. <laughs> and I had a giant breakfast pizza with like a fried egg and like bacon, black pudding, sausage, and just onion. And I ate the whole thing and it was 27 inches almost. Like it was massive. I mean, granted, the other people helped. I didn't eat all of
1: it. Yeah, sure, but dude. Yeah. Yeah, no, but
0: we <laughs> ate the whole thing and I couldn't feel my face for like two days. <laughs> I was like, ah, but it's amazing, like how uh, like your will and ambition and passion can like push you towards things. I don't really talk about it very often because I don't think it's very relevant. Sure, it's only relevant if I talk about if you ask a question like, oh, where did vocals start? Where do I start? Then I'll probably talk about it. Uh, I, I tend not to be like be a victim if that makes sense. Like because I wasn't in a way. It was just it, it was the most impersonal thing ever. Like, he didn't care, and I didn't care because of it. I was like, okay.
1: Sure, but uh, (laughs) a random act, uh, just a a crazy bit of cosmic mumbo-jumbo affected kind of where you were in your life at that point, and at the same time, it kind of pushed you to take extra steps to say, you know what, I really need to, to move past this and just get on with what I want to do. So you took it as an inspirational event almost.
0: In, in a way, yeah, because I always say, I always feel like when you're dealt with like an issue or persecution or problems or an ultimatum to your life, like you can either accept it for what it is and forgive, like yourself and others for that situation, or you can harbour it and burn in that forever. Like I find, you have to make that decision, and that choice is not easy to make because it's uh, more of an absolve you're absolving yourself of your ego in a way because you're going right it wasn't personal i don't matter i want to do what i want to do that's the important thing so i mean that was difficult that was that was a difficult sort of process and i had to go through a lot of philosophy and soul searching you know and um uh, actually one of the things is my mum's a uh, buddhist she's practicing buddhist and oh. she yeah. And one of the one of the most useful aspects to that was was a uh, thing about impermanence and and sort of like nothing is here permanently. And uh, some of my favorite sayings, um, you know, like anger is like a hot coal. The longer you hold on to it, the more it burns you. And I just think that's true. Like, look, if you if you guarantee in your life, you've met people who are just consumed with anger and they are just uh, miserable. Yeah. Miserable. Can't and, get Can't get them out of it. Yeah, and you can't because they're burning themselves with the thing they can't let go, and it's all about choice. And you know, people say, "Oh, you know," but I don't choose my circumstance. I was like, "Well, no one does. (laughs) No one is choose who. I I didn't ask to be here, man. I didn't ask my parents to conceive me. I didn't want to be here." (laughs) (laughs) But you
1: deal with you deal with it, and you and you you know you construct your life based off a a series of random events, and at some point. You take control and, and you, you've you created um, a, a place for yourself in the universe. And um, there you are, you know, doing Ashen Crown, making huge oh, yeah. waves, going from literally, you know, a bunch of pups, as you were saying, to completely owning the UK metal scene, uh, considering the fact that that scene has spawned so many uh, inspirational veterans that are still around oh, yeah. today. Uh, and oh, I mean, yeah. I, I've always been a huge fan of the UK metal scene, especially going back to even like the, uh, you know, the grind crusher days, the the old napalms, the old carcasses, uh, all that kind of stuff. Discharge. Uh, oh, discharge, man, look at that. That's a name you don't hear that often these days.
0: They're still going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: so, you know, that scene uh, has, has evolved quite a bit, but you guys just popped right in there. And I I mean, I I make it sound like it was just out of the blue and out of nowhere, but there was definitely work and planning and and stuff like that that you did. You don't just get lucky and all of a sudden, hey, look, these guys are actually pretty good. I mean, you fucking captivated people um, with that. So once you were in it, once you were doing it, once you kind of had that experience and you had now left that that inexperienced Kieran behind and you've got that now behind you, how did that affect the way that you approach projects going forward?
0: Oh God! Like so, definitely with understanding about how to approach people with the new projects, for example, for promotion. So with Ash and Crown, I I uh, learned some lessons, got some feedback, and uh, and I thought, oh, why don't let's do memes, right? <laughs> <laughs> because memes are popular. Sure, why think. not? Yeah, and I did the memeageddon is what it's known as. Um, <laughs> meme again was very successful but for the wrong reasons and the right reasons uh, uh, so my lessons learned from that was that the, the caveat to doing it is that yes people know who you are but people only know you for that not for anything else and that's the problem it's like so they always saying like, good exposure Exposure is exposure no matter what. I would argue that bad exposure is still bad exposure. Right. <laughs> like, so Ashen Crown had, like, great attention brought to us, but then we were not taken seriously. So that was my fault, and I'll take responsibility for that. But, you know, at the same time, the music speaks for itself. So people who see us live are like, okay, right, yeah, we enjoy this. This is the kind of thing they like, if they like our kind of stuff. Uh, but so, like, for example, but on cd like people would listen to us and go yeah it's all right but it doesn't translate to what we're like live like live we are way heavier way faster much more aggressive you know so it's like that's the what you hear on the album is more of like the fetal stages of the band and what we are now is a different beast entirely so i think what i think what we ended up doing is i i ended up doing is like creating this environment for the band which was a bit of a double-edged sword because, as you were saying, we've got that old-school death metal influence. We do have that. We have the old-school hardcore influence as well. And yeah. We've got a bit of old-school thrash. And because of that, we don't really fit in any like remit. So we're sort of just like, the people that would like us are the ones who are just music lovers. right? People who like certain genres are going to be a bit funny with us because it's like, uh, I don't really like that bit. I like that bit. So, And that's fine. That's how people are. But we've had to like push ourselves through the like boundaries of niches and prove ourselves to all these different people. Because we've had bills. Like I said, like, you know, we play with the bit We've played with black tongue. Like that's a, just a huge difference. <laughs> you know, we, and we went down so well at black tongue and that's the weirdest part of it. I, I, and they are not our people. So to speak, you know, this is the death call, the beat down bands, you know? So, That was very educational, but that I learned a lot of lessons from not having a niche and having a kind of a general sound and how that can hold you back, but at the same time gives you all the advantages. So it's like, yeah, it's difficult. So we've had to push our way through and we recently played Bloodstock uh, last year. I was
1: going to ask you Um, about that. Yeah. How did that feel to get back to that venue that you rocked in 2017? And, uh, you know, now you come back (laughs) and you're fully fucking seasoned.
0: Oh, I mean, you say that, but like, we went into it quite unprepared, because think about it, like COVID, we haven't rehearsed. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we couldn't, we didn't really rehearse properly for years. Like, you know, we tried what we could, but restrictions. And so we were a little unprepared, and we've never played a stage that big before, so... That showed I didn't know what to do with myself too much. There was so much room. That's right, like, uh, because uh, they uh, do
1: move you to different stages depending on kind of, I guess, where you're at in the public eye, yeah, right? Yeah, basically.
0: So we played the second second stage, which is like 5,000 capacity tent. It's like a big tent. Was that like that Sophie so, Lancaster stage? That's Sophie Lancaster stage, yeah. Okay. So we, we played that one. So we, we understand what that means to play the Sophie Lancaster stage. And I personally understand what it means to play the Sophie Lancaster stage. Yeah. You know, with the whole, you know... Situation, yeah. Yeah. So, it was very surreal for me. So, when we stepped up there, I I will not exaggerate. We didn't even play a note. And there were thousands and thousands of people. (laughs) I, I was like, I don't see very well. I'm partially blind. But even I could see them. Like there was just a sea of people. And I'm and I was looking at the guys like, my God. Like, all right. And then the nerves hit me. And I I don't get nervous very often, but that <laughs> so as I walked out on stage, I, I got a huge roar. Never had that before. That was mental to me. And so all the guys were like, what the hell is happening? They were like, we didn't get cheered. What did Q get cheered? You, know, <laughs> you know, and and, and at that moment, I realized, I was like, these are all the people that I have made connections with for years, uh, like, as m- in my journey. And they're not just random people. These are most of the people I knew. Yeah. Not obviously, I don't know, 4,000 people, but, you know, I, I I know a fair few of them. And it was so incredible to share that with them and had a few messages being like, I was so proud of you about it. I said, I was tearing up. I was like, dude, I was tearing up. I like almost cried on stage three times. I was like, that doesn't really suit the look. <laughs> 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 It's like yeah, we're brutal. We're yeah. oh, it's so good to be here. <laughs> you know, it's it's hilarious. So we we did our best with it. We had a great show. There was pits constantly. It's uh, it absolutely crazy. I couldn't even, couldn't even. Oh, it. I could walked off stage like.
1: <laughs> yeah, and especially after you know coming out of uh the heaviest part of the lockdowns, and oh, God, I, I hadn't yeah. considered the fact that you guys hadn't really rehearsed together yeah, yeah. i just assumed that there was probably some kind of a uh, virtual shenanigans and you know pro tool streaming or
0: something like that but no we we just didn't have the means for that to happen because obviously with covid they've, they've all of our members apart from one all have families and children and jobs that are all now have to completely shift and change as well so right. i said to the guys i was like let's just leave it because we had a lot of people we were shielding you know parents and stuff like my father and the guitarist father and so we were just like right we'll just leave it uh, we, 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 we did do a live stream gig, uh, like, uh, and that was, we had to like pre-record it, but it was live. So sure. I mean, but that, but that was fun. We did that. Uh, I did, then I did a couple of covers in the interim, but di- yeah, we didn't properly rehearse. It was very much, we kind of winged it, but we know the songs enough and the crowd wouldn't care anyway. We could have just played the worst we've ever played. And they would have been like, yeah, yeah. Crazy to <laughs> come out of eager.
1: seeing, you know, yeah out of out of the lockdowns walk out and see a massive sea of people and not only have just a ton of people in one place but to have them in the pit just crushing each other and, and getting that aggression yeah. out that's no doubt been pent up for who knows how long at that point so Oh uh, yeah
0: they they definitely needed it just as much as i did <laughs> like it, it was crazy but uh but yeah so i digress we got a bit sidetracked but yeah in regards of like things that influenced me as i went on yeah so that so Ash and Crown was a huge learning curve for me uh, and promotion. I learned a lot about PR. I learned about how to approach things professionally. Um, so I learned a lot of lessons. Uh, and then obviously, then we got Grimort. Yeah, so Grimort was my first. Like me and me and my mate Lewis, I handled everything like to do with graphics and sorting out the you know marketing and stuff and mailing merch. So I took a lot of lessons from that. Uh, that was just a little bit of a quick, you know, bedroom recordings. I mean, like, if you don't know Lewis, his other band is Archirophant. They're really good. Recommend them. Like, they've got some quite big names working with them now. More about that when I'm sure they all announce it. Uh, but it was really cool working with him. But he lived on a tug, you know, like a longer boat, like a canal boat. Okay. Yeah, yeah, in London, on on in the canals, in the so, literally like, on a, the water. <laughs> yeah, like bar the barges they called them, don't they? Yeah, bike barges. Yeah, the lock, and he lived on one of those. So he recorded everything on a barge. Crazy. Now, if you if you know anything about barges, they don't have independent electricity. So he had to run the engine to create the electricity to then power the his computer and stuff, and then record. So. And I'm sure when it he, wasn't
1: the quietest environment then with all no, that machinery. Exactly.
0: <laughs> now, now, because of that, he had to record it direct in. And because of that, it lost a lot of, um, fidelity. Yeah. It lost a lot of oomph that it could have had from the gear he had. So, and, you know, and program drums and things like that. It, I mean, we, we, we worked with what we had and then I had my crappy microphone and my bad setup. I didn't have this one at the time. This yeah. one has changed my life, <laughs> but, um, you know, and so, we did our best, and we released a interesting Black and Doomy EP. It was all vibey and ethereal, and we were happy with it, but I can't listen to it. <laughs> I, I for one,
1: actually really like it. And um, when I heard <laughs> you were doing it, and then when I had Sarah Jacobs on the show, we actually ah, Sarah, played yeah. a track off of... Shout out to uh, my sister from another mister, Sarah. Um, so we played a track off of that, and I remember thinking, like, God, ah, this is... It's doom, but it's black metal at the same time. I mean, it's just really got that... It's an evil fucking sounding album, dude. And I remember thinking, I'm like, well, this is not Ashen Crown, which is all the cooler because why do another project that would be similar? And it is, it was, it was atmospheric was a great, you know, descriptor, uh, kind of ambient. And, uh, I I get that maybe from a, from a producery artist standpoint, that it was a project that maybe you just did just for the sake of doing it. And I can see why you wouldn't want to listen to it. But I really, really like, in fact, I was listening to it the other day when I was messaging you and I was like, Hey, what's going on with that? Um, is it even still a thing? Is there, is there plans for more stuff with that?
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, basically, it's just a side project of mine and Lewis. So when when me and Lewis have time, <laughs> which is getting less and less as we get busier and busier, sure. Um, like we are working on new material when we can, and we are. So there we are. There's a new song that we've been playing around with. I can tell you that it's like ah, uh, it's like imagine if Niall did Black and Doom. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, crazy. Oh yeah. <laughs> I listen, Lewis is incredibly uh, like creative with like the scales he uses and how he plays. So I'm extremely excited for people to hear this. It's it's got the same atmosphere as the EP, uh, and as we move forward, we are we are working on an album, but that is long way away. Probably sure. not till next year, maybe even longer. But like we are working on new material, so it's going to be what was promised on the EP and more. Like so it's just gonna be a growth from that in every way possible.
1: Yeah. So Esoteric Ascendance, uh the name of the EP, and it really was a concept album that kind of told a story. Um yeah. a very short but albeit intense story. <laughs> um a very, a very evil story, if you will. Um and I, I'm a fan of concept albums. So now if you guys, you know, when you move forward and do do new stuff? Are you still going to keep the concept, you know, style in mind, or are we just going to yeah. go like, okay, you're going to stay with that?
0: Yeah, yeah. So the EP was basically around a ritual procession. So you know, you got the procession, and you know, and you got a uh, uh, sequestrate and fervor So for so basically, it means like the procession is the beginning and preparation uh, of the the woman that is basically readying herself to absorb the the darkness, as it were, right? Like you know, the the the, the esoteric forces, the ethereal, primordial soup, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And then so, and then sequestrate is about sort of like to claim. So that's what that that's what that word means. So it's to like to get hold of. And fervor is more of like forever uh, uh, embodied. So it's more of just like the three tracks are basically the communication between her psychology. Uh, her body and life, and this entity that is trying to possess and and claim her, but it's met with resistance. But not, it, it's like she wants it, but she doesn't. And it's more of like self-preservation meets esoteric curiosity. Sure, you know. So it's got a lot of um, connotations towards like the H.P. Lovecraft universe in regards to like that kind of thing. Only, only the universe, not H.P. Lovecraft, obviously. Um, so. All I can say is that it is following on that theme. So the album, the first song of the album, will be a carry on from further. So, oh, yeah. So very excited. Like it's very, very exciting. Oh, that's that's super cool. I assume that this is a project that's
1: really destined to to live kind of uh, in the realm of not having live shows. I, I assume with the oh, two no, of you, it's just kind of a, a recording project <laughs> versus a full on band
0: like if we wanted to play it live we'd have to play with the backing track and there is so much instrumentation like uh with this as I said, the new track we've got orchestras we've got atmospheres we've got keys we've got uh even like trumpets and things like that So yeah like it, it's Damn. pretty out there yeah yeah uh we are going to be working with some other musicians we know as well who play various instruments like sitars etc so expect some really interesting stuff so i'm I'm glad I'm glad you're a fan because it's nice to talk to somebody about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think uh, well yeah.
1: it's it's hard. I you know, it's hard to do things that are different. And yeah. you kind of touched on the idea that that we all have a tendency to apply genre tags to things and we like to fit things neatly into a box. And I'm no different. Yeah. You know, when I listen to a piece of music, the first thing I do is like, what does it sound like? What does it remind me of? And the cool thing about Grimort is that it really doesn't have that because it sounds like so much yet it sounds like nothing else at the same time. So it's, it's a very, it's a very, uh, I guess an eclectic piece of work, uh, that, that does defy a, a classification. It's, it's, but it's yeah. it's evil as hell. And I, I absolutely love it. And it's just dark. And uh, I, I guess that's the thing. It's just very it's very dark. If you go from Ashen Crown, for instance, which is powerful and it has its own darkness and it has its energy Bullshit. and it's yeah. rooted in the death, you know, and and Grimoire clearly has some of those elements as well. But it does take it to that level where it's just uh you listen to it and it feels pain. It feels torture. It feels despair. Um so, in that element, it does remind me of some of like the the black metal um without having just yeah. nonstop alternate picking madness um <laughs> so well, and you yeah, mentioned it, early it, on that you kind of had some some black metal you know when you got into like the emperors and you know the demo burgers and stuff like that, so yeah that that's really cool to see those kind of come through
0: yeah, it's something that i've always got a, i've always had a thing for i I love like atmospheric like blackened. Metal. I just think it's amazing. Like, some of it has some incredible beauty to it and and amazing melody and sorrow, which I've never quite seen captured in other music. Like, um, have you heard of a band called Wormwood? I have heard of Wormwood. Yeah, right. Like, their last album they released is Archivit, I think it was called. Um, That album was my album of the year last year. That album was amazing. Like, I I I was blown away that people had not heard it. I was like, I was like, "Oh, it's my number one." And they were like, "Who?" And I was like, "Just listen to it. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like Dire Straits did black metal. It's, oh, it's a the man. guitar work, the guitar work in it is amazing. Their guitarist, the lead guitarist, is a Dire Straits fan. Huge Dire Straits fan. They're I am a head.
1: huge Dire Straits fan. Mark Knopfler t- is a god to me, and he manages kind of like kind of like Lindsey Buckingham manages oh. to take a. a, a a guitar line use his fingers to pick and still make it sound more powerful and aggressive uh than those who hit those strings really hard um and able to get the dynamics uh and even like david gilmore you know these guys that can bend one note 20 30 times and just make it you know all over the place and yeah. uh mark Knopfler, to me is is uh Absolutely amazing! I was just listening to Brothers in Arms uh, the other day, which is one of my favorite <laughs> albums of all time. But hey, they're down another rabbit hole. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, sorry well, about we'll talk that. About but die
0: nice, straight. another time.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, no, yeah. that's that's cool that they're that influence kind of popped in there so as well. I've
0: though. always had, yeah, it's always been there. Like, and some of that will be creeping into the new Ash and Crown material as well. Oh shit.
1: Well, we're going to take ourselves a quick break, but don't go anywhere because we'll be right back with more from vocalist Kieran Scott. So in the meantime, check out a track from Ash and Crown off their album Obsolescence. This one's called Blood Beneath Us.
0: So basically, um, as I said a lot with like with my vocal techniques, even though I can do the more kind of like gutter, like brutal stuff, and that's fine. um, My speciality is within sustains. Okay. So like, I'm good at sustaining vocals because of my like, education and learning vocal styles and learning about, you know, diaphragmic chest and resonance and things like that. And so I've over the couple of years, I've just been practicing and learning new techniques just to keep making that better. Yeah. so like, that's why my vocals are getting better and better and better and better is because I'm practicing that's literally it
1: <laughs> yeah no well so, I mean that's that's good uh I think a lot of vocalists out there they shorten their lifespan of their of their craft because they they don't practice or they don't take the time to learn how to do it properly they just kind of go in hit it heavy yeah. and then they they're yeah. they're just burning themselves out within a very short amount of time and can't yeah. Can't continue to produce those sounds, uh, which is especially true of those vocalists that do kind of more of the extreme metal, such as yourself. You know, the death metals or the thrashes or the black metal stuff like that. So
0: yeah, like, yeah, like so, yeah, like Chris Barnes, great example. Oh, like fuck, man, yeah, seriously. I mean, I love the guy. Don't get me wrong; he's actually surprisingly very nice and he's a very gentle person. You know, he, he's a nice guy, but he doesn't help himself. My God,
1: he actually <laughs> but, yeah. lives up here by me. Um, yeah. or he did for a short amount of time. And I know that when that last uh, uh, Six Feet Under came out, it did not fare well, I think, with, we'll call them the the diehard fans, right? The the old school well, yeah, fans. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, the problem with that, I, I actually, right, I really mean what I'm about to say. I think that album would have been fine if it was mixed better. Yeah. His vocals were just like really dry and present in the mix and it just didn't work. Yeah. There was no... A- there was no atmosphere with it there was no it wasn't blending with the mix it was just there like on top of music it's like that would sound shit if i did it like you know like so i was just a bit like that didn't help it either like
1: i think you know, the, but, uh, a little bit of reverb would have gone a long way maybe yeah like
0: and a, a better mix like i think it would have sounded better yeah but yeah Moving forward, but like, yeah, no, it's true. Uh, a lot of the old guard, as we call them, you know, the old school death metal lads, the, mm-hmm. you know, there was no vocal techniques back then. Nobody knew what they were doing. Right. They were just like, rah, 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 and that would do right. You know, like, so for example, like, so you got people like, you know, uh, Dave Ingram from Benediction, you know, and then you got Carl Willits, so bolt thrower and mm. things like that. They paved the way for death metal, like in regards to vocal abilities. And they got like, obviously, Jeff from Possessed and, You know, it it just these people have a certain style, right? It's but it's not technique. There is there may be some somewhere at some point they wouldn't know what it was, though. It was beyond it was way before we understood about false chord for false chords, fry vocals, gutturals and how it all worked mechanically. Yeah. So some of the noises that people came out with back then uh, was incredible, like considering they had no knowledge. I would also argue that they do have a problem. I said, sorry guys, you can call me out on it. You do have a problem with accepting the fact that you're not your style and the way that you're doing it is not correct. Is not <laughs> it, it isn't. <laughs> uh, well, when I want to say correct. I mean, not good. It's not good for you. Like, so what if? Because well, then you end up like Chris Barnes and just blowing your vocal cords and you just can't have any malleability and and stretch and y- sure. you you're not helping your career. You're not helping yourself. Like obviously, they're going to stick to their guns and stick with what they know, and that's fine. They do; they can do what they want. People like that sound, People, and I do too. To be honest, I'm guilty of it. Yeah, you can't beat you can't beat a Carl Willits. You just can't beat that.
1: You yes. <laughs> I am gonna go on the record and say that uh, Mr. Willets is up there in my favorite vocalists of all time. I'm of course especially fond of the the Bolt Thrower time frame, but I'm also a huge fan of memoriam, which then I guess brings us into the, the next part here where you had a chance to work with Andy whale, um, who spent some time, uh, working with Mr. Willets, Um, yes. and you guys come up with this brilliant idea that you weren't doing enough already that hmm. you needed, <laughs> you needed need another, stress. you needed another project to fill up your time. And you come out with this hot fire fucking band called death collector uh, which had an insane amount of anticipation leading up to the release. And then once you released it, people were just losing their minds over it. And we're just talking about a three-song EP. So, <laughs> yeah, um, crazy. yeah, give us the story. Tell us about Death Collector.
0: Oh, right. So basically, uh, I my interaction with Andy have, have been identifiable. So when Ash and Crown played with Memorium, it was like December 2018, I think, uh, that was in Birmingham. Like, it was the first time we ever played with them. And, you know, I've met Carl before uh, when we played Manifest um, with Evile. That was a great game. Yeah, Evile, great band. So good. Uh, so it was really cool, like, hanging out with him. And then we said so we met. We're we we had we were familiar with each other from that point. Uh, I got chatting to Andy, who is the most approachable, like, down-to-earth person I've ever met in my entire life. So I had a small conversation with him and then we sort of like kept relatively sort of on each other's radar for a couple of years. So uh, Andy started up a page or a group called uh, Old Men Play Death Metal. I'm not sure <laughs> if you know it. I, I yeah. do.
1: I remember seeing that. I'm like, that's fucking yeah. cool.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that was that's his group. And he said he wanted to do that to like share music and stuff because he's very passionate and he loves his music. So. He asked me to do the logo for it because he knows I do graphics. So I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. I won't pay. You. I didn't charge him. I was like, yeah, sure, Andy, there you go. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, so I did that. And he did some shirts and stuff for it. And then, you know, things. Like that. And he was really grateful for that. Um, and then, so he comes to me and he's like, this was after the lockdown sort of lifted. So this was about November time. Uh, and he was like, oh, I've got a new project I'm doing with Mick from Zealot Cult. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Because I saw the cover they did, um, yeah. the Warmaster one. So I was like, "All right, sounds sick, yeah." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, it's called Death Collector. I Just want something old school." Blah blah. blah. I went, "Yeah, not a problem." I was like, "Sure." So I did a uh, design up the logo, and he was liking it. And I said, "Oh, I said, so is it a proper like full band?" He's like, "No, it's just me and Mick at the moment." I was like, "Do you need any vocals?" And he was like, "Yeah." <laughs> just that was like it. that. <laughs> that was it. There was no like amazing story of me proving myself through fire and brimstone. No, it was just like, "Yeah, yeah, you'll do." <laughs>
1: I guess if we have to have but, somebody, you may as well hop on.
0: <laughs> but that's how he works. Like Andy's, a, you know, he, he has to know you, like, because he wants to know that if you're all right and he can work with you. Because, I mean, we all don't want to have band members that are annoying and problems and cause issues because, you know, it's the bad start from the start. So, sure. I was, pr- I was quite honored that he even said yes. So I was like, hell yeah. So we played around with some ideas. At the time, we had uh, Jason from uh, What Was Agalock. Uh, they they disbanded, obviously. So he was the original ba- basis that we're going to have, but he lives your side, he lives stateside. So we were like, uh, well, that ain't going to work. Because <laughs> so we were like, well, let's keep it re- regional. So then we got our mate Lee like on board, uh, and then we played around with some demos, and then nothing like really happened for a little bit, and we were like, no, let's get going, and then all of a sudden it just went. We were like, bang, 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 like tracks were flying out, demos were flying out. Right. Uh, and then they sent me, like, here you go, here's three tracks, do some vocals. And I was like, sweet. Yeah, okay. Had full rain, free rain, could do what I want. So did all the vocals thing, Send them back. They were like, yep, sweet. Did the final take, sent it to Gord, uh, Gord Olsen from Darkened. He did the mix for it. Who also worked with Andy and Darkened. Within like a month, it was done. And then now it's out. So it was like, so went November, December, January, everything got done. February we organized everything, March release like so, and um, we we did the whole thing DIY all of it like we had some friend from uh, my friend uh, Dan who's part of DC Sound Attack he just a bit like a PR and stuff in the UK he's got loads of good bands under his roster uh he gave me some help I've done a lot of favors for him so he helped us out with getting reviews and stuff but otherwise we did all of it ourselves like it was. 100% DIY. I've handled all the graphics, videos, and promotion stuff as I can do. Um, I've been handling all the socials and stuff because I've got a lot. I'm a I'm a little more on it than the lads are because you know they're all over 45 or so now, so they're just
1: like I know the feeling.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like unless it's something like you're you have to learn. They're not interested in it. They're just they're more vicarious social media like users. So I was more than happy to be like yeah, I'm I I I'm pretty in on this already. People know me. So I I took the helm and I I also helped formulate the plan of attack for the release because mm-hmm. even though Andy's had a lot of experience in it, he's a bit out of depth these days. He doesn't know how things work as much as they used to. Like he's a very tape trading kind of guy, yeah. you know. He's very like direct word of mouth and he's got definitely valuable knowledge about the industry and things like that. But I had that inside knowledge of social media and because of Grimoire and Ashen and Crown, it gave me a lot of uh, understanding. So I bought all of, I learned to death collector and I smashed it out. Like I was like to the right people that I know would like it, got it to the right playlists, got it to the right reviewers. Um, and, you know, and, it, and I can say, on record, that it was a huge success for a DIY small project that was done within a month. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's it's crazy. And I mean, <laughs> I I myself, I, I do also uh, freelance and write for like Metal Temple, for instance. And I know that you guys talked to Leanne. Um, yeah. We were very excited about this particular project. And so not only, uh, you know, d- did we... Kind of take that, and did Leanne take that and, and just promote the hell out of it? But I, I looking around consistently across the board, all the review sites are giving you guys top scores, and you amassed over ten thousand streams and downloads in a ridiculously short amount of
0: time. All of our tracks in total accumulated to was it eleven thousand four hundred, and our monthly listeners are eight thousand. So that's i mean that's just spotify
1: right that's just one platform and that's just over the course of you know a what month. a month <laughs> no
0: less than that less than that yeah it's, uh, yeah fourth of march so two weeks
1: you guys did some some i think some Bandcamp bundles uh with some shirts and hats or whatever and I, I heard that they sold out like within just a matter of like days
0: yeah two three days three days completely sold out ah um yeah so we were like all right oh okay <laughs> like You know, Andy, bless him, he's been doing all of the merch and sending it out and stuff, so he regretted uh, taking responsibility for it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of packages to ship, for sure.
0: Oh. It must it cost us hundreds of pounds just to ship it.
1: Yeah, I sent a shirt to the UK, what, two weeks ago for, for somebody who ordered it. And it cost me like almost 20 bucks just to send it there for one yeah. shirt, you know. So I I can't imagine, you know, what it's costing to to send a box or, you know, a, a bundle or something like that. But
0: uh Yeah, because obviously we have to change the shipping pricing just so that we don't take a loss. And right. it's been unfortunate to do that because people are like, oh, I was going to buy it. And I'm like, yeah, we can't. Yeah. Lose 20, 20 pounds on the merch, I'm sorry. I can't <laughs> spend
1: more to send it than I'm charging yeah. you for the product, which unfortunately, uh, things have just gone up, uh, you know, considering just the, the shortages and the workforce and things yeah, kind of globally. So so not only do you have this epic project, uh, it goes back to the most old school concept of EPs with a three song. So what is it like? It's like 12 minutes of just pure Freaking audio assault and, uh, once again, taking that death metal sound. So now you've got three extreme projects that you kind of work and they're all completely different from each other. Like not one doesn't sound like the other.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They're very different.
1: As a vocalist, how do you manage to, uh, to pull that off?
0: I think it's because, um, I, I'm a huge fan of metal generally. And because I listen to, well, like like so, some of my favorite bands are very diverse from each other. Like, like for example, there's a band in Germany called Dark Fortress. I absolutely love that band. They are incredible. incredible. If you haven't heard them, like go listen to them. The album Yelem, Y-L-E-M, was like huge inspiration for me. Like that album was just like, whoa. But that was like black metal with a doomy kind of groove twist. So if you like that kind of stuff, definitely up your alley and then i'm also like i'm a huge fan of like dying fetus but like, oh, i, just I love dying fetus it's just groovy unapologetically heavy i just, it just can't i can't mess with it and then i'm also like really into like my progressive stuff you know so like swans and tool and things like that so i really enjoyed that uh and then i'm also like really into kajira and then more of like the more contemporary stuff uh, you know and some of the more traditional shit like you know slipknot they still hit my vibe. I still enjoy them. Like I don't get the hate. I really don't. I yeah. think they're a great band. I mean, some of their songs I can give or take, but you know, some of their albums I would say are timeless and they shouldn't be ignored. Um, you know, and and then I keep paying attention to what's modern as well. You know, recently got into Slaughter to Prevail. Like I, I mean, obviously a bit controversial, but not really because they're nice guys. You know, and it was interesting. Like everyone gave them so much hate, and I listened to. Like their latest album, I went. It's just death metal, Slipknot. Yeah. Like I don't get why everyone's hating it. Like I just don't get it. It's pretty. It's pretty. Pretty solid. Yeah. There's some stuff that I'm not big on, but otherwise, I was like, I was very impressed with it. But what I'm saying is, so all these influences are like, and I'm really into my like uh, y kind of stuff as well. So, you know, if you ever an industrial? And <laughs> I keep going. It's just I just love everything. Like uh, I like one of my favorite artists is Author and Punisher if you've heard of them can't say i have right okay so just released a new uh album uh it's really really good um but yeah so it's a one-man band but he created a machine which is like mechanical and he's like strapped into it like he's <laughs> on life support and it's it's got like so like the drums are done with the arm so it's like boom boom kuh, and it's nice. like a slider and he's got like all these different synths and pedals and microphones he's got like a throat microphone which
1: so he could actually perform
0: it as opposed to just record it yeah so it's it's like electronic industrial project that's got all these crazy atmospheric sounds that he does live you need to see it It, they supported tool on like a tour it's just crazy uh on their the new album actually they've got the the guitarist and and danny Carey as well actually feature on it so definitely check that out yeah but I'm a huge fan of Walter and Punisher, and I've known him for a long time, and he follows all my stuff. He's a really nice guy, like, so I, but yeah, that's a huge influence on me. And then I'm also, like, really into, like, my kind of, like, you know, like, you ever heard of Boards of Canada? Nope. Yeah, right. So Boards of Canada are a kind of dark ambient sort of trip hop kind of thing. I can't quite put a finger on them. They're They're very, they're very unique they're like one of my favorite artists ever because they create incredible soundscapes and sounds and music and songs. And and the songwriting is strange and very unique. So that has a huge influence on me as well. That kind of like almost like lethargic, sort of sad, but cathartic sounding atmospheric music. So, So when I take all these influences, like all these different things, it's quite easy for me to adapt to different styles. I don't have a niche. Like, death metal is easy to do for me. I think it's the easiest form of vocal, in my opinion. I'll be controversially saying that. Um, you know, it, it it takes the techniques, but once you've got them down, it's just rudimentary at that point. Like, singing, very different. Very, very different. That's not something I probably will never dabble in. <laughs> I
1: was going to ask you about that, you yeah. know, considering, you know, the way that you approach the methodologies of vocalists you haven't really at least as far as the public knows done much in the way of you know clean vocals uh or or projects like that so that's not even in the plans
0: for you i don't think so i've tried doing some clean stuff i tried doing it with some ash and crown stuff and it didn't quite work because it's not just being able to make it sound good. It's been able to do it live and oh. being able, but trying to do distortion vocal techniques and then go into singing is not something I've trained for. Yeah. Like it, and it's not something that I probably would want to do anyway, because it's a lot of effort. Like it is that, that I would have to go to school to do that. Like, like, oh, well, at least get an educator to tell, to teach me how to uh, go from the distortion techniques, transfer to, clean and go back without hurting myself because (laughs) they are fundamentally very different preparations, not just like breath support, but also like mouth and uh, vocal cords and and muscle memory so much. I wouldn't even try. I can sing. Okay. I, I can sing sort of in tune sometimes, but it's not something that I think at the moment, any of the music I'm doing suits, maybe in some grimoire stuff, I think it could work. You know, like maybe put loads of editing on it. <laughs> Auto-tune. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, if they
1: do it in the pop world, they can do it in the metal world. Um, oh, man. I mean, black metal. Uh, can you imagine black metal listening to auto-tuned black metal? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's what your head would explode yeah yeah so uh as of right now you've got your hands full with uh with these with these three projects so then what else is in the works i've heard tale that there is new ashen crown kind of uh being materialized
0: yeah we have we have songs written and they're finished before studio recording so that will they're finished once they're recorded properly so we've got some like demos that are working demos, and we've played a couple of the new tracks live, and they go down really well. So um, we are looking at a new album. Uh, it's just it's the de- we are deciding if it's an EP or an album, because uh, the thing is, even though Obsolescence was as relative success, because of COVID that happened literally months afterwards, it completely dampened our album release. Like just do it. Right. And uh, we couldn't tour it. We had all this leftover merch, all these leftover CDs. You know, this is the stuff we're supposed to be getting rid of at gigs, but we're not playing gigs. So for two years, we had, like, nothing. And it was very strange, because we're we're sort of, like, trying to get ourselves back together at the moment, because we've all had to change our lives because of COVID and families and jobs and kids. So we've had to now, like, try and reapply our lives back again and try to find... Our way so we are we are getting there we are back on on it and we're getting back on to doing gigs and rehearsals and live stuff and then new material so we are we're in a way but it's not the it's just not as fast as we'd like it and that's not unique loads of people are having the same position you know so playing bloodstock was really good it's like that was a whoa shock to the system um but it's kind of left us with this what now yeah what do we yeah so it's like what do we do now and i'm just like new album <laughs> you know sort of thing so we we are we are sorting that out we have got a couple of gigs this year planned but we are taking a step back from any new bookings just to focus on writing because it's about time we wrote some and recorded some new stuff really so <laughs> awesome
1: but it is yes. in the works and it's it's being yeah. physically worked on and, and conceptualized at this point Definitely yeah. a, an interesting thought, though. I had considered that you might take the EP route. Who knows, you know, where that's going to go. Do you yeah, uh, yeah. do you feel that now that after you have been a band and, and you took that time off and you've done these other projects and things are starting to open back up, do you see Ash and Crown kind of keeping its same original feel or have you evolved it a little bit at this point?
0: I think it's going to evolve no matter what. Like, this past couple of years have defined us all as people like and it's tested us. Um, I... I like the songs we wrote before for the for the newer material, new album, for me, even though I do like them, don't have the same relevance to me personally. Um, even though I like playing them, I'm just there. Like this song lyrically, especially, doesn't have the same impact on me of what I would like to express now. Yeah. So I have this whole thing about you know it's not about that again. The album obsolescence is very uh, the name is exactly the point. <laughs> right. These songs. Because these songs are obsolete, you know that they will become obsolete. So it has a double meaning that album for us as a band. So these were the songs we were just going to, yep, yeah, and there are obsolete next sort of thing. So that is going to definitely be uh, a factor. So um obviously, with the way that things have been the past three years, it's changed my perspective on what I want out of music and what I want to express. Uh, luckily, that's been resonated with the Ash and Crown guys. So um, we are going to be making something I would say more personal and a bit more emotional, I guess. Okay, I mean, it's all emotional. I mean, anger's an emotion, but, right? But a bit more personal and a bit more feely. So it's not. We're not going to start singing and playing in four chords. It don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like we there's a lot that we've touched upon in obsolescence what we could do more of so you know like right to rise under the leaves you know there's real like big scale epic songs that have like this um energy and just uh, expression like the songs are still meaningful in obsolescence but they were more kind of an amalgamation of all the different music styles and less intent of writing if that makes sense yeah of course so we didn't set out to write a song like something it just sort of happened so moving forward we're going to be more intentfully writing with things in mind so a bit more conceptual we should be happy to hear (laughs) (laughs) awesome and then as
1: far as uh death collector is this a one and done or is this something that you take to the next level now
0: oh yeah i mean like we're just gonna leave it now. I think you know yeah, all, all the uh, <laughs> DP did really well, but no, nah, I know I dude. I, we we would be stupid not to carry on. Yeah. Like the the amount of people loved. I I want to do more because I want people to enjoy it more. Like you, we have. I can tell you now. This isn't exclusive. This this I'm just telling you. This this will be Andy will tell everybody this as well. We have an album written. Okay. It, it's ready, pretty much. We just need to record the demos, uh, and then we then start looking for it to be mixed and mastered and, and studio time. Okay. So that's what we're looking for. So all the money that we've been getting from the support we've been getting has literally just been going straight into the studio. So, so we're
1: going to take it to official
0: channels this time rather than just DIY the whole thing? Yeah. So we are in talks at the moment with a few music people representatives and things like that so music people <laughs> yes I, I can't i can't say anything else but we made a huge splash with the ep and we are currently riding the waves we are surfing it is crazy we have sales every day and it's just we're just staring at the like our bank camp like that's insane like it's still going people are still buying more cds yeah You know, so it's just really cool to know that people are loving something that, like, I'm not just part of, but, you know, helped create in a way. I mean, I only did the vocals, but. (laughs) Yeah, only. (laughs) Only did the vocals, you know, no big deal. (laughs) Well, it's the least important part, but the most (laughs) memorable, apparently. It's like, but, you know, it's really cool to have that under my belt and just be like, yeah, fuck it, that's a thing I did wow, and, and the fact that people love it is great, and I just cannot get my head around it, that I have a sport, but, I mean, don't misunderstand what I'm about to say, it sounds a bit confusing, like, I don't do music for the, like, the approval of others, but it, it does it is a very welcome thing. Sure. So, so, like, I'll do it for me, and because of what I've been through and why I'm doing it, it's the only reason I do it, because I love doing it. I love music, I love performing it, I love listening to it, I love watching it, and so to be in the throes of it is what I'm all about, whether I'm whatever position. So even though I absolutely love it when people love our music, and it means so much when people come up to me and goes, "Oh, those lyrics hit me really hard. That meant a lot to me." That's my favourite thing. Like when when someone goes, "I related hard to that song." That happened to me um, at a gig with Ash and Crown. A song called "Right to Rise." You know that song is all about standing up for yourself and choosing the path of love over hate, etc. You know, so that has a real like power. It's got quite powerful lyrics for, so. you know, if, the- if you're going through a lot of stuff and I had this fella come up to me and this was around when Brexit was going on and he was from Poland and he was just like, he says, I, f- he said, I felt like that song really resonated with me because I feel very um, unwanted and like I don't belong and stuff. And he says that really hurt. That really like hit me. And I was like, wow. Okay. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't know what to say. I was me. I didn't, me didn't know what to say. Me. I never know not what to say. Like, I just started like, uh, 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 uh um, thanks.
1: <laughs> it's the difference between somebody just listening to a song and kind of having it go in one ear and out the other and actually hearing what it is that you're saying, what message you're delivering.
0: Yeah. Like, um, when I write lyrics, I have a meaning behind them and it's usually an emotion. Like, for example, like, uh, Crimson Sea on the Obsessence album, that song's about uh, suicide and the temptation of killing yourself. I, I, people just like, is it? Like, read the lyrics. They're like, oh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> like, And, you know, and it's something that I've been through or been around or seen, and, and it's something that I've experienced either vicariously or thoughts myself. So it, it's one of those things that I felt like would be a good thing to do. So I, I really appreciate it when people read what we and because I mean when you when you're being growled and shouted at, kind of sure. hard to, kind of hard to tell, you know, yeah. sometimes. But you know, so that 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 means more to me as well. Like that's crazy, when people actually dig deep. Yeah. But, but yeah, like it's it's a it's a weird thing music is because I feel like it's more of an exploration of ourselves. We always look for things that we are in things we want to hear and and like in things. So I I want I love music and I love everything to do with music. So I'm pretty open-minded. I'd say mostly, pop punk. No, (laughs) you know I have my limits. Like like cheesy cheesy stuff just irks me. I'm there. Like I I can listen to some if it's done well. Like if it's just so over the top and ridiculous, I can't hate it. You know, like so uh, bands like Powerwolf can't hate Powerwolf it's just so good. It's so unapologetically just positive and, you know, I'm like, all right, okay. I enjoy this. But then bands that just go that whinge and moan. I'm like, uh, yeah, I have a guilty
1: pleasure for, uh, the skate punk sounds from the nineties because here in Seattle, that, that was a big thing for a while. And, uh, You know, when, when Seattle got away from the metal and went towards the grunge, I kind of took a step away from the music scene because I I couldn't handle it. But I had a lot of friends that were playing punk at the time. And, uh, you know, punk kind of evolved from you know, you know, the old school punk, right? Like, you know, the exploited sex pistols kind of stuff like that, and really kind of went to more of the melodic punk, which still, you know, with the hooks and the stuff like that, uh, the oohs and ahs, we call it, that uh, are a guilty (laughs) pleasure. So yeah, I I think that's great that that you have kind of taken all of these internal things that you've got uh, floating around in that noggin of yours, and you've been able to vocalize them you've been able to express them you've been able to get people on board with what it is you're doing and you've successfully managed to navigate that process through three pretty epic projects that are still you know relevant today and that are still active do you think uh, to bring it back to death collector do you see with that project really kind of materializing into a, a band that that plays live and goes full force. I, I do remember hearing something about um, part of the reason that uh, Andy took a step away for a while was he wanted to focus more on some personal stuff and not go out yeah. and have the commitments to the shows and things like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, basically, so what happened with Andy? Is he he's got a long term shoulder injury, so he's get you know he's fifty now. So yeah, <laughs> shit, I'm almost you there know. myself. <laughs> yeah. So like, and and you, how long he's been playing for? where uh, I I was. I mean I was born in nineteen ninety one. So he was still playing for like fifteen years at that point. <laughs> yeah. So he he's been on the scene for so long. And you know, wear and tear is a reality. It is. You know, especially as a drummer. You don't see very many old drummers. There's a reason. So like so he had to take a step back from the tour life. He just couldn't do the tour life anymore. It was draining for him and right. he couldn't see his family as much as he would like. And his family mean a lot to him. So and understandably. So he was just like with his the way his shoulder was acting up with constant gigging. He can do intermittent and like, you know, he can do like a day or two max. And then after that he has to stop. Sure. You know. So that's why he stepped back from memoriam. Like it just it they were going up and up and up and up and up. And big and big and big and more and more and more and he just like I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> so you know they got Spike now who's like a bit is a fair bit a bit younger and far more on it and he's just more enthusiastic and is able to do it. So and he's happy that he's took over because that at least he's been replaced by someone who can do it justice. Sure. So he's happy with that. You know. So but he wanted his own project still. He he still loves music and he still wants to play music. So like Death Collector just happened like, between him and Mick. So, uh yeah. Uh So, yeah, so, like, so Andy said, like, we are open to doing gigs, and that's confirmed that we're definitely going to do gigs. We, we have got rehearsal. <laughs> yep, we have got rehearsal planned for this year. Sweet. We may do a gig at some point this year if something comes, if, if all the stars align. Obviously, at the moment now, there's a huge fuel crisis, so obviously Mick is in Ireland, and even though it's not far, the UK's prices for, like, travel is insane.
1: Yeah, like, we're, we're so, feeling that here, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, America's a huge place, like, yeah. where Ireland is, like, here, and we're just, like, here, which is, like, <laughs> in in America, is, like, from new york to fucking new jersey probably i don't know yeah (laughs) like you know it's it's incredibly far so uh we're we're having to figure out the logistics of it but um in regards of like gigs uh, very likely a uk show will be our debut very likely um we are looking at europe as a potential but we have to have some representation by then so we are basically seeing what kind of comes out but live gigs are 100% going to happen. That's, that's an inevitability. Just when. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's
1: great to hear. And that, that was definitely, I, I did have that question uh, full well knowing, you know, where Andy was at in life and what his priorities were, which, of course, we all love him and, and respect the hell out of his contributions to the scene. Oh, yeah. But we would love to hear some Death Collector out there in the world uh, you oh, know, yeah. fucking tearing a stage to, up somewhere.
0: I'd love to play it live. Like, It's just dirty. Like, it's just, (laughs) it's just, like, it's unapologetically filthy. Like, it's not, it's not filthy because of, like, it's, like, deliberately mechanized to be this, like, heaviest thing ever. It's just unapologetically raw. And just, it's got that hardcore punk influence that Andy brings, you know, and it's got the doomy sort of depth that Mick brings you know, and the death metal aspect, and then Leon Bass, you know, he's he's in Severe Lacerations, which is like a like a proper, like, death metal, old-school death metal band, so it's got that really nice run under it on the bass, the rumble, the, like, the fast-paced just, uh, it just, oh, just, yeah, you heard it, it just works so well together, it's just got this really thartic and just satisfying, like, you know, and, and that's just the EP demos, I mean, because what you heard is a demo, in essence, like, it just mixed quite well. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a, it's a great mix for the style. I mean, yeah, I'm going to go I on the record like and say that I am often criticized by my peers for paying a little too much attention to audio quality. And, you know, I love the fact of an album where you can just... All I care about is can you hear all the elements? I mean, I don't care yeah. if it sounds producery, but I mean... Are 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 the kick drums powerful? You know, can you hear the bass in the mix? I mean, I hate it when yeah. somebody gets newssteaded out of a mix. It just irritates yeah, the that. fuck out of me. Yeah. And you know, with Death Collector, it is a raw sound, but it's in your face and it works. And it I mean, I I definitely wouldn't consider it quote unquote just demo quality. It's it's a it's a true <laughs> it's a true work and uh and it's just it fits perfectly with that style. Um so yeah, I
0: suppose, yeah. I mean, what I meant by demo, I meant as in, like, they're demo recordings. They're not studio recordings. Right. Like, these are at home in our bedrooms. Like, the drums was recorded on a MIDI drum kit, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. And yeah. Uh, the vocals were done on this microphone. The first time I've ever used it properly was actually for Death Collector. So I was a little inexperienced how to use it. Now I do. I got, I got the vibe on it now. But, uh, you know, the bass was DI. Like, and it was on, a, like, a Warlock, DC Warlock bass, you know? Yeah. The, the Deicide signature one uh and the guitar was just di as well so there was no like that we didn't we didn't plan it out with all these profiles and sounds in mind sure we just went here you go mick here's all the stuff and then mick went cool and then made it into what it is sounds
1: sounds fantastic so if you manage to pull that out of your asses with those resources in that time frame i can only imagine what happens when you give it a proper treatment that that's, you know has a massive amounts of thought yeah, going into it, and
0: that's literally what I've been thinking. Yeah, for like the past couple of like while I'm watching all this go, and I'm like, if people enjoy this, imagine if it done like properly. Yeah, <laughs> like it's still still going to have the same sound. We're still going to go with Gourd. We can't not go with Gourd for our mix master now. Like he's got us for life
1: yeah yeah no it's 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 literally it's a perfect combination uh yeah absolutely fantastic Uh, plus it kind of you know working with him keeps that element of uh you know working with somebody in-house that that is really in tune with with uh, no pun intended with uh what y'all are are doing so
0: yeah he's part of the band now yeah (laughs) that's right
1: (laughs) So that being said, man, we have talked about a ton of stuff. I was able to pull some history out of you and able able to kind of uh, get the goods on what's coming out. Um, Is there anything else that we need to to go down any roads with? Anything surprising that's coming out or uh, anything else you wanted to cover today?
0: So uh, over the lockdown, of course, uh, I kept myself busy doing not just my projects, but I was helping with other people's projects. And I did some covers as well. I worked with uh, old drake from evile and uh on a opeth cover which was really good so if you like your opeth and you haven't checked that out i'll go check it out funeral portrait it's very good uh i also worked with a band that uh is quite unknown they're called gut locker now gut locker is a good friend of mine craig is the vocalist uh they are a very groovy kind of hardcore sort of uh can't quite they're very hard to put a, a pin on They've got a new album coming out, which I may or may not be featuring on. Oh, maybe, so, maybe not. Yeah, it's not it's not announced yet, but it uh, may or may <laughs> not be. Uh, but I'm very excited for people to hear that album, because I, I believe that that album is a fantastic piece of work and a testament to the band, and they deserve a lot more credit than they get. So keep an eye out for that. I will probably be telling everybody about it. Nice. Um, I have got some other features planned. I cannot talk about it, though. Like, one of them is with a very respectable musician that very recently played America at a festival. So, Ooh. can't say who. <laughs> hmm. uh, but it's very cool. So, I've just... You know me. I've got fingers in pies everywhere. Got, I'm I'm never satisfied unless I've got 50 things to do. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's it's so... I'm trying to think of anything else. I think that's it, pretty much. Um, oh, uh, I am going to be bringing back uh, my YouTube channel, like where I do like reaction videos and sort of stuff. Oh, sweet. I want to re- I want to reapproach that. I want to kind of get rid of the reaction format to a point. I wanted to make it more about reviews. So, right. even though reaction videos are very quick and easy for people to digest, I do find them a little bit unsatisfying for me cause there's a lot of editing and it's got to make it entertaining. And I'm just there. like I just want to review it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm probably going to be doing that within it'd be this year. So that'll be rebranded, re-represented, re-revived. And I'll be definitely uh, excited to get that back on track. Awesome. Uh, I think that's it though. I think that's it. I don't think i doing anything else I can talk about. Well, you say that's it,
1: but that's a ton guys. So there you go. Here's all of the awesomeness that, uh, Kieran has in the works, as well as kind of what's coming down the pipeline. So what is the best place for people to find your music online? Do you recommend the Bandcamp route or are there other places that, uh, that might do you more better?
0: I mean, just, you know, uh, as social media is, everything is on every streaming platform and it's all free. So okay. you've got nothing to lose apart from a little bit of time and then maybe a bit more time. After that, <laughs>
1: okay.
0: But uh, Death Collector, if you want to buy merch, obviously it's Bandcamp. Uh, same for Ashen Crown. Actually, same for grimort as well. We actually still have some shirts, grimort left. Uh, they have are actually reduced. I think they're only five pounds now. So if you want to, if anyone wants to grab any, we've got a limited amount left. And um, once they're gone, they're gone. Same for Death Collector. Actually, we have limited edition CDs. We're not. We're never reprinting them. Oh, shit. so Yeah, there's only like fifty left. Damn. We have two hundred. <laughs>
1: Get them, bitches. It's, it's, yeah, do it now.
0: We're selling at least three a day, like, or one a day, depending. It it goes in stages, but yeah, like, they are, they're going. So get them while you can. Uh, awesome. Uh, Kieran, thank you so much for
1: uh, hanging out today on Misery Point Radio. That's right. Glad we got to do this. This was an awesome conversation. I know, right? Um, I feel
0: like we could have still covered more, though. (laughs)
1: Man, I tell you what, there's just so many, so many avenues we can go down. We will. Bring you back on here in the future when there's uh, more stuff coming out. And feel free to touch base from time to time. Let us know what's going on. And we're, of course, going to be playing some of your stuff here uh, on the show. So, everybody, keep your eyes and ears peeled for Kieran with Ashen Crown, with Grimort, with Death Collector, and with the other cool projects he just told us about. So, thank you, brother. I appreciate you being here, and we'll talk to you again real soon.
0: I'm grateful for being here, mate. Thank you for talking to me. Cheers. And cheers to all of you out there in the wasteland
1: for hanging out on Misery Point Radio. Now, here's one last tune to send you off with. This is Death Collector off their debut EP Time's Up and their self titled track called Death Collector.